Welcome to Disciple City Church Podcast. My name is Jerry Wagner, founder and lead pastor of Disciple City Church in Dallas, Texas. Thank you so much for tuning in to our podcast. Our desire is to unleash healthy disciple makers in West Dallas to reach the world. God bless you as you listen and consider subscribing so that you can listen to new messages each week. Thank you and have a God-filled day. Welcome, DCC family. Now, look, I, I didn't already unbutton my, my suit jacket. Um, I, I'm, I'm still hyped. Now, listen, I know you just watched the video, and some of you all were crump. Uh, Michaela McIntosh is the voiceover, so if you want to give a shout-out to her. But, man, some of you all, if you're like me, you're still worshiping God over that last song, Our Living Hope. And, and if that's you, I want you to take 15 seconds, 15 seconds, and ponder over the lyrics. You have pain that you can't bear no more. You have shame that you can't hide no more. You need peace because you feel overwhelmed. Come to the Savior who can apply our living hope. For, for 15 seconds, five more seconds, 10 more seconds, I just want you to ponder and worship God. Five, four, three, two, one, do you have it? Do you have that living hope? Do you have that truth that we just pondered over? Well, if you had it, have it. I want you to hold on to it. I want you to hold on to it because today I want to talk about hope. And I know, man, talking about hope in these dark times is not popular. I know you're asking, Pastor, how can you talk about hope when my loved one is infected with this virus? I know some of you are asking, uh, uh, Pastor, how can you talk about hope when we look at our brothers and sisters in New York who at an alarming rate is being infected and dying because of this disease? Pastor, how can you, can you talk about hope when we can't touch anyone, when we can't hug anyone, when we can't even send our kids to school to get a break? And some of those kids are eating you out of house and home, so I get it. Pastor, how can you talk about hope in the midst of this crisis? Well, that question reminds me of a story that my pastor, the great Dr. Tony Evans tells. And he, he shared this story with us when him and Dr. Lois Evans, the great um, Dr. Lois Evans, um, uh, was stranded in New York City in 2003 doing a blackout. It, he says the blackout was so bad that it reached all the way up to Canada. And to make matters worse, LaGuardia Airport, uh, Airport in New York City canceled all their flights. And so they had no hope of getting home. And so finally, they, they, they find a hotel, and this hotel was lit up with candles. And they signed their name in the book because the computer was not working. And they went to their room with a flashlight. Now, this was during the summer. And so um, uh, First Lady, she went to the window and opened up the window just to let in some of that cool air. And as she was opening up, up, opening up the window, she saw it. She saw this hotel in the distance that was lit up. I mean, lights everywhere. And so Pastor and First Lady was like, man, we need to see what's going on down there. And so they walked down there and Pastor talks about when he arrived, there was music, people were eating food, um, TVs was talking about the blackout. And if you know anything about the great Tony Evans, he's inquisitive. You know, he looks for everything is an illustration for him. And so he found the assistant manager 
And he asked the assistant manager, he says, how can it be this much light in this much darkness? Isn't that the question that we are asking right now? How can you be talking about light and hope in the midst of this darkness? And so the assistant manager said, well, that question is simple to answer. He says, when we built this hotel, we built it with gas generators. In other words, we have power on the inside that is not dependent on power on the outside. Yeah. See, that's the type that I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the type of hope where you have power on the inside and you're not overwhelmed or dominated by the circumstances on the outside. The living hope. Now, I, I, I know one reason why it's hard for us to see light and it's hard for us to see hope in this crisis because when the COVID-19 virus outbroke, then it crushed a lot of our temporary hopes, right? Like some of us had our hope in our jobs or our bank accounts, but the problem now is we're being fired, furloughed, or the whole economy is making pay cuts. Some of our hopes were in our government officials, but now we're even questioning whether they made the right decision at the right time. Some of our hopes were in our church building. We used to say things like, if you build it, they will come. The problem is they are not even allowed in the building. We used to uh, tell our congregation, hey, invite them to the church house. Now they can't even leave their own house. Here's what we all discovered during this time. Our temporary hopes, while they were good, they were not capable of withstanding a worldwide pandemic. And so today, I want to talk about a living hope that is crisis proof. I want to talk about a living hope that can stand both pain and a pandemic. I want to talk about a living hope that is active and alive. In fact, the question that I want to ask and answer today is simply this. How can we have living hope that is crisis proof? How can we have living hope that is crisis proof? Well, if we want that answer, we got to go to 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 3. And I memorized this scripture and I wanted, I, I, I needed to memorize it because I needed to tattoo it on my heart if I'm going to be able to navigate this living hope. First Peter chapter one, beginning at verse three says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again, watch this, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Last verse, who by God's power are being guarded through the faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last times, our living hope. So when you enter into 1 Peter, it's very strange because Peter is worshiping and praising the God who was the creator in Jesus Christ. That's why you see in verse three, he says, blessed um, is the God and father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He's worshiping, right? Now, this wouldn't have seemed strange if Peter was worshiping during a time where everything was okay. But the problem was, Peter was worshiping during a time and even commanding Christians to worship God during a time that they were persecuted for their faith. 
In fact, if you look at the text, these brothers and sisters have been exiled or scattered or dispersed from their own homes. They have been exiled and dispersed through the um, Roman Empire. And so you read things like they've been scattered to Pointus and they've been scattered to Cappadocia and they've been scattered to Asia. These brothers and sisters were kicked out of their own home because of their faith. So the question is, how can Peter worship God in the midst of suffering? One answer, because he has living hope. He has living hope. See, Peter is looking back at the great salvation that he has in God. That's why he says, I am worshiping him according to his mercy. See, the reason why we can worship God in a time of crisis is because we remember the time that God rescued us from the darkest moments of our life. That's what Peter is saying. Peter said, you don't worship God in good times. You worship God in bad times because that is your anchor. He finally goes on to say that I'm worshiping the true and living God because I have joy in him, because I have life in him, because I resonate with him. Now, I know some of you aren't there yet. You're like, Pastor, I'm not worshiping God in the midst of this pandemic. Well, hold on to the point. Because one of the questions you have to ask yourself is, how can I have living hope in the midst of crisis? And the first answer is simply this. Living hope starts with being born again. Look at verse three again. It says, he has caused us to be born again. Amen. There's so much here. But one thing that I would love to point out is simply this. Notice it says, he calls referring to God has caused us to be born again. And what that simply means is you had absolutely nothing to do with being born again. It literally says that God is the author of salvation, that God is the one who brought forth birth in you. Now, I love this because the imagery here is simple. The imagery here is that of a newborn baby being born. Watch this. I am a a father of four children, right? And um, I I can unequivocally tell you my children had absolutely nothing to do with their birth, right? They didn't didn't have no um, say-so in their name. They didn't have no say-so in the date they were born. They didn't even help during the time of delivery. In fact, they were pushed out. They did not crawl out right? That's what it means to be born again. To be born again means that God himself is the author of your birth. Oh man, like somebody needs to get excited about that. Somebody needs to get excited that Jesus Christ is the author. He is the one who manufactures somebody being born again. It was Jesus Christ who was beating. It was Jesus Christ who was crucified. It was Jesus Christ who hung between two thieves. It was Jesus Christ, watch this, that cried out and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. It was Jesus Christ who was buried. See, being born again has nothing to do with what you have done. It has everything to do with what God has done. And so now the question that you have to ask yourself is, see, oftentimes when we think about being born again, the first thing we have to ask ourselves, the question is, is there something wrong with my first birth? Right? See, the whole idea of saying something has to be born again suggests that there is something wrong with your first birth. 
And if you're asking that question, I'm here to tell you there is something wrong with your first birth. There's something wrong with our first birth. In fact, the Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that every human is born in sin. And I mean, I love this. Sin simply means this. You are missing the mark of God's perfect and righteous standard. Sin simply means that you are missing God's mark. That's why you can't look at somebody else and say, at least I'm not like them. And the reason why you can't say that, watch this, is because they're not the standard. God is. I remember a little boy um, coming to his father when he was in the sixth grade, and he was dunking all over the rim, and he was uh, flushing all over the rim, and he's like, Dad, I can dunk, I can dunk. And so his dad went out there and saw him dunking on this rim, and sure enough, he was dunking on the rim. The problem was the rim was six feet. He changed the standard to meet it. See, you can meet your standard, but God is the one who set his perfect and righteous standard. So one of the questions you have to know is to be born again suggests that there is something wrong with your first birth. Here's the second thing I think you need to understand. And, and I had to come to grips with this. Oftentimes we think sin is about what we do. But the Bible teaches us that sin is about who we are. See, oftentimes we, we, we think you are a sinner because you sin. But the Bible says you sin, therefore you are a sinner. This is a heart issue. This is a depraved nature issue. For example, you wouldn't say um, it bites because it's a dog. No, it's a dog, therefore it bites. Yeah, I know some of you all out there are animal lovers. Stop saying your dog don't bite because it does. It has teeth. <laughs> All right. Like, like, here's another one for, for you all who have children. You don't have to teach a child how to lie. You actually have to teach a child how to value truth. Why? Because it's in them. Sin is in you. Sin is in me. It is a part of my nature. And so the Bible teaches us from Genesis all the way to Revelation, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, whether you African or Latino or Asian, no matter what your ethnicity is, you were born in sin. Psalm chapter 51, verse 5, David says, I was born and shaped in sin in my mother's womb. Job chapter 15, verse 14, simply he asks two questions. How can a man be born pure and how can a man be born righteous? And the answer is they can't. Romans chapter 3, verse 23 simply says, all have sinned and have missed the mark of God's perfect standard. You need to be born again. I need to be born again because our nature is contaminated. Now watch this. Do you know what the worst disease, the worst virus that mankind has ever faced I'm talking about a disease that has a 100% fatality rate. I'm talking about a virus, a disease that impacts every area of our lives, or to say it more specifically, that infects every area of our lives. It affects our body. It affects our soul. It affects how we relate to people. It affected our relationship with God. It affected how we relate to animals. There's one disease. There's one virus that has a 100% fatality rate. And you know what that's called? Sin. Sin. 
this is not to minimize the coronavirus. This is to demonstrate how broken our world is. And watch this, how broken we are. For the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, um, for the wages of sin is death. That the natural consequence, the natural reaction of sin is death. That it brings destruction and it brings decay and it brings all these things falling apart. Now watch this. Now, if that verse would have just stayed right there, then we'd have had no hope. But here's what the Bible says. But the free gift of God is eternal life. The free gift of God is eternal life. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, watch this. It simply says, while we were yet sinners... God demonstrated his love towards us, watch this, and die for us. In other words, you don't have to get right to come to Jesus. Jesus says, I get you right, just come. You don't have to clean yourself and then come to Jesus. Jesus says, I will clean you, just come. We all need to be born again. But the reality is those who are born again can come to a saving faith in Jesus. I love this part. So some of you are asking the question, uh, uh, Pastor, what does it mean to be born again? You're asking a question, what do I have to do to be born again? Well, to be born again is a spiritual birth. To be born again is something that God does and not something that you do. All right. If you look throughout the scripture, watch this. To be born again is when the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit and the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ come together and transforms the heart of man. Let me say it another way. It is when the power of the Holy Spirit and the sacrifice of Jesus Christ come together and produces a spiritual birth. That is what it means to be born again. Watch this. See, the Holy Spirit's responsibility in this process of born again is he is the one who awakens dead people. The Bible says that we were spiritually dead, that we walked according to the course of this world. And it is the Holy Spirit who gives dead things life. He, he is the one who empowers you to hear. He is the one who empowers you to see. He is the one who empowers you to respond. What the Holy Spirit is, is what a power cord is to a cell phone, right? See, a cell phone is dead, and we say it's dead when it has no power. But all you need to do is look at the power cord, hook it up, and that which is dead comes alive. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. And when the Holy Spirit makes you alive, then watch this, and then you can respond to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so being born again is when the spirit of God and the blood of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice that he made comes together and produces a spiritual baby. Let me give you this last illustration. I told you I had four children. My first two children, my first three children, they're girls. I just thought I was going to be a girl dad. Dad, before Kobe Bryant, I had girls, right? I was the first girl dad. I'm sure there was other people, um, but I, I was the first. And, but my wife kept begging me, I want another baby. I want another baby. I'm like, man. And it's funny because my, my, my youngest girl is 12 and my youngest baby um, is six. 
All right. So she worked on me pretty hard and she finally got it. Well, we went to um, um, the hospital and she's in there delivering the baby. And, you know, I stand at the front of the bed. And so when the baby came out, all I saw was like a lot of hair. And I was like, oh, I got another girl. So it's complete. And then the doctor says, welcome to the world, young man. And I'm sitting there like, <laughs> he's screaming. Ah, ah. I'm sitting there like, He's screaming, ah, ah, and I got myself together, and watch this. I said, Jerry Wagner, he stopped screaming, and he responded. See, when you are born again, and the Holy Spirit does something in your heart, and you hear the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, your responsibility, watch this, is to respond. Is to respond. So the Bible simply says this. When you are born again, you begin to participate in the living hope, right? Notice what the text says. It says, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now watch this. What does Peter mean by living hope, right? What does Peter mean by um, a living hope? Well, let me tell you what he doesn't mean. He does not mean wishful thinking because oftentimes people think that um, uh, I wish it might not rain or I hope it might not rain but that's not what Peter is talking about what Peter is talking about is an expectation a guarantee in other words he believes what he hopes for will happen right what he hopes for will happen And not only does he have the type of hope that expects but the Bible says that he has a lively hope That means this this hope is alive. This hope, it it, it prepares in the light, but it is ready in the darkness. The question that most of you all are asking is, how can Peter have this type of hope? Because of what is anchored in. His hope is anchored in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. His hope is anchored in Jesus rising from the dead. Let me teach you one thing about the resurrection. See, remember I told you that sin produces death and that death, it has a hundred percent fatality, right? When, but when Jesus Christ died on the cross and when he was buried, watch this. The Bible says that he got up on the third day with all power in his hand. And the Bible says in Acts chapter two, verse 24, that not even death could hold him. In other words, the thing that's the very foe The ultimate foe of humanity, the resurrection, the power of Jesus, he conquered that. Peter said, that's what my hope is. That's what my hope is anchored in. Now watch this. When your hope is anchored in the power of the resurrection, it secures your past, your present, and your future. It secures your past because Jesus Christ died for your sins. It secures your present because Jesus Christ rose from the dead and he's alive. It secures your future because you will be in eternity. You will be in heaven with Jesus. That is a living hope that we have. That is the benefit of being born again, that you are secure in your hope. Now, I know most of you are asking, but what about the crisis proof, pastor? I'm looking for you to talk to us about the, uh, this living hope being crisis proof. And look at verse four, the end of verse four. He says, kept in heaven for you, 
who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Notice something. The first thing he says is inheritance. Inheritance suggests that you are a part of the family. Inheritance suggests that this living hope is your birthright. And then he tells you why it's crisis proof. He lists three things that suggest that it's crisis proof. The first thing he says is that this living hope is imperishable. The second thing he says, this living hope is undefiled. The third thing he said that this living hope is unfading. All right, let me break it down. If something is imperishable, that means it can't die, right? It, second thing, if something is undefiled, that means it can't uh, um, be touched by sin or be corrupted by sin. Last point. If something is unfading, that suggests that it, it can't be touched by time. Well, pastor, how does that all make sense? Watch this. If it is imperishable, that means it is, um, it is um, death proof, right? If it is um, undefiled, that means it is sin proof, right? If it is unfading, here's the last one, it simply means that it is age proof. Are you telling me that this living hope cannot be touched by death? That this living hope cannot be defiled by sin? That this living hope that I have in Jesus because I'm born again cannot be overcome with time? And the answer to that question is yes. But I got one more for you. Not only is it death proof, not only is it sin proof, not only is it age proof, but watch this, it's also fail proof. It will not let you down. Look at the final verse. It says, kept in heaven, guarded by God, guarded by his power. And what that simply means is it is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit standing on guard to protect you on earth and to secure you in heaven. It is fail proof. It is something that will not fade, fail. It is something that will not fade. It is something that will not perish. If you are a born again believer in Jesus Christ, you have a hope that is crisis proof. And so I know some of you all are listening to this sermon and you're like, Pastor, I am just ready for you to shut up. I am ready for you to be quiet. I'm ready to ask this question and I need your answer. What must I do to be born again? What must I do to be saved? And if that is you out there and you're asking this question of how can I be born again? How can I receive the living hope of Jesus Christ? How can I have a hope that is crisis proof? Then I want to pray for you. I want to pray with you. In fact, the Bible in Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10 simply says this. If a man confess with his mouth that the Lord Jesus Christ died, and believe in his heart that God raised him from the dead, the Bible says, then thou shall be saved. It says, with the heart man believes, but with the mouth he confesses unto salvation. And so if you are someone who wants to put your trust in Jesus, if you want to be born again, you want to experience this living hope, then pray this prayer with me. And there's nothing magical about this prayer. All this prayer is revealing is what ha is happening inside of you. All this prayer is revealing is how the spirit of God has given you power. You have heard in the gospel message of Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. And now you are responding. So here's what I want you to do. Say, Lord, I am a sinner in need of a savior. I have transgressed against your law. 
I recognize that I was born and shaped in iniquities and I can do nothing about it. Jesus, will you save me? Would you allow the spirit of God to awaken the dead parts of my heart? Would you give me ears to hear, eyes to see, and a mouth to speak that I believe that Jesus Christ died for my sins, that Jesus Christ was buried, but on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. And if you prayed that prayer for, with me and the spirit of God navigated your heart and allowed you to be awakened to the gospel truths of Jesus Christ, then here's what I want you to do. The first thing I want to say is welcome to the family. But the second thing I want you to do is text respond. Text respond. And there's going to be a family member from Disciple City Church that's going to reach out to you and walk you through what it means to be a follower of Jesus. I love you. Continue to pray. Continue to worship. Thank you again for listening to Disciple City Church podcast. Until we meet again. Shalom. Shalom.